There's something curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal Extra. It's that time again, it's the beginning of the month, which means it's a sky guide. Before we crack on with today's show, we need to make an apology for lack of content going out for February. It's a mixture of a couple of things really. Um, One, as always, it's a bit difficult at the moment for John and I to virtually get together to create a show or it has been over the last couple of months or so and always it's a struggle in February because well it's a shorter month so we are really sorry for this but I can guarantee you we will make up for that in March unfortunately we're not able to bring Ross Hockham on board again this month because he's coughing quite a lot and he's worried about the amount of editing that I would have to do because (laughs) of the coffin so on the other fader should be once again will chung how are you doing sir hey mark how are you doing doing great one thing i would like to say before we carry on for the same reason that ross can't join us i want to say get well soon to mr alan taylor shearer he has tested positive for covid and his wife is in hospital with covid as well so we're just wishing them get well soon Alan Taylor Shearer has been a rock when it comes to the podcast. He's been there for us at live events. He's been doing photography for us and lots of different things. And you've probably heard him throughout the podcast uh, if you've been with us for a long time. So, yeah, get well soon, Alan. Hope to speak with you again soon. So, Will, what's new with you? Doing loads of uh, Facebook Lives as usual. The weather is seemingly starting to get a bit better we've had loads of snow haven't we lots and lots of snow especially up in northumberland yeah but we've actually had a a run of uh, two clear nights in a row which is probably the first time in i don't know when as we record this it was just in time for the snow moon wasn't it that's right yeah i mean i remember when i was doing the sky guide last month and i remember saying so at the end of february we've got the snow moon let's hope for no more snow and then it came it came back with vengeance (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's why it's called the snow moon isn't it yeah but yeah i just looked out the window that night and i thought wow that is bright tonight absolutely stunning i mean this is the thing Uh, a lot of people message me you know and they say hey why is the moon so bright tonight i'm sure it's not normally this bright and you know what actually the reason why it's so bright was because there was no clouds last night it was clear skies and i think it just highlights that we don't that often get clear skies when it's a full moon so um nothing in particular made the snow moon brighter than usual other than having clear skies so no it was awesome yeah a funny thing i like to bring up about the moon being bright it's down to um, the fictional side of vampires where vampires can't come out in daylight because obviously they'll disintegrate if they get any daylight on them they can't come out at all even at night because basically moonlight is just a reflection of sunlight (laughs) 
Yes, <laughs> that's true. I mean, hey, if you want to tell the vampires that, you go ahead. But I can promise, <laughs> I can promise you this. If there's any, any uh, hints of uh, supernatural beings, I'll, I'll be uh, well away from them. Well, it did just dawned on me. So, hang on a moment. The brightness of the moon is only caused by the reflection from the sun. So, therefore, if they're coming out at night because the moonlight's come out, it should affect them as well. I thought, yeah, they didn't think about that when they came up with the concept of vampires, did they? <laughs> no, that's a good one. I like that one. It makes me feel a little bit safer now <laughs> under moonlight. <laughs> I read on your profile on Facebook you'd started a new position somewhere. Yeah, so um, there's an organisation, right? Get the name, it's so cool. It's called Aurorasaurus. <laughs> and uh, it's actually a citizen science project. And it's all about the fact that we have computer modelling which can predict where we can see Aurora certain times of the year and certain latitudes on Earth. So the stronger the aurora is, the more south that we can see it. But um, this project that was set up by a lady who heads up one of the departments for NASA, um, they thought actually it'll be better for, for people to be able to report where they can see the aurora, because that's going to be a lot more accurate. And sure enough, the evidence has already been shown that most of the time we can see the aurora further south than what computer models predict. And you know what's really weird, Mark, is as an aurora chaser, I absolutely do and have relied on technology. You know, all the apps that are out there to help me, you know, let me know if I can see the, the aurora. And nearly every single time when it says you shouldn't be able to see it, I have been able to see it. So it just, I guess, highlights again the, the importance of the citizen science. And as an ambassador for Aurorasaurus, my job is to promote it more. My job is to tell people about it and, you know, just get people involved and Aurora chasing. So now I'm, I'm really chuffed. I'm, I think there's only three Aurorasaurus ambassadors in, the, in England, in the UK. But hopefully there'll be more over time. Chris Lintop from the Sky at Night, he is involved with a project called the Zooniverse. And there's lots of different projects on there, not necessarily space-related ones. There's all kinds of different sciences involved with it. But I didn't realise that he actually came up with the concept for it as well. He came on the show a couple of years back to talk about a book that he wrote about some of the weird and wonderful findings that the team and the general public had discovered. And it's quite an interesting book, actually. Yeah, awesome. He's saying the amount of things that the general public discover that scientists have completely bypassed. They, they haven't noticed it, but... The general public have right wow there is definitely scope for those kind of projects yeah awesome yeah he, he was also saying about the fact that uh, when stargazing live was on the tv and they used to do those live things where they used to ask the general public to do something to help them out the minute that brian cox opened his mouth their servers crashed because you know whatever brian cox says is like the gospel to the people wow. you know you had these um, online festivals that you you were involved with over the last few weeks. So how did that go for you? Yeah, so we had the um, Northumberland Dark Sky Festival um, as our first ever one. And uh, yeah, it went really well. We had a program of events that went online. But also, you know, here at the Twice Brood Observatory, where we, we've got some really cool things that we're working on. We did uh, our own sort of 
series of events, Facebook Live and through UK Astronomy. And we, I think we had about 30,000 viewers for our events. And they ranged from, you know, Aurora in Northumberland, you know, where to stargaze and uh, introduction to astronomy. So it went really well. I guess it just makes me even more excited about when we can eventually open up and host stargazing events. You know, just to, it's great to um, to tell people about how great Northumberland is, but it's not great when they can't even get here. <laughs> it's like, you know, hey, come and visit. And they're thinking, well, when can we visit? <laughs> so just excited for, for when the doors open up again. Yeah, definitely. And of course, we've got the event that UK Astronomy are putting together, the Astronomy in April event, which is... Uh, still in the planning stages at the moment but it's coming together very quickly isn't it so excited for it a month of events online and with your help as well mark you know we're all working together to uh, get some amazing speakers for everyone a whole range of talks and it's just going to be great i'm really really excited about it and you, and you know what it'll be here before we know it i mean it's only what, four or five weeks away now and um yeah there's loads of people interested in, in doing the talks and honestly it's just going to be great and one of the weird things for myself will be that what we're doing today on the podcast the sky guide ross and i will be conducting one of these live for the first time right cool so that'll be interesting yeah that'll be awesome definitely be tuning in for that yeah that'll be fun so watch this space for more information we'll keep you updated on all our socials and on the uk astronomy socials as well and also the yuri's night uk socials as well so we're going to take a short break and when we come back it's over to you Hi, I'm Matt Damon. I play astronaut Mark Watney in The Martian. In the story, my character is accidentally stranded on Mars. Sending people to Mars and returning them safely is the challenge of a generation. The whole world held its breath when the Curiosity rover landed in 2012. The boot prints of astronauts will follow those rover tracks, thanks to innovations happening today. NASA's journey to Mars begins on the International Space Station, some 250 miles overhead, where we're learning how humans can thrive over long periods without gravity. Here at home, people are working across the country on the new Orion spacecraft and space launch system rocket that will carry astronauts farther than ever before. When we invent new technologies for exploration, it benefits all of humanity. But more than that, the journey to Mars will forever change our history books, rewriting what we know about the Red Planet and expanding a human presence deeper into the solar system. Follow NASA's journey to Mars at www.nasa.gov. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more, and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. 
This is TGP Nominal. Welcome back to TGP Nominal Extra. So, Will, March, what have you got for us? Wow, well, March is uh, really exciting in terms of uh, different objects to look at. So, um, what I've done is picked out some of my highlights, of course, for March. And it also has the Ross Hockham approval as well, just to let you know. I did I did go through it with him and said, hey, Ross, what do you think? And uh, you also put in some suggestions. March the 3rd, we've got a uh, pretty cool thing where Mars, which is quite close, actually, to the Pleiades, which is the Seven Sisters cluster. It's just south of it at the moment. And over the last few weeks, it's actually been getting slightly closer and closer to it. So March the 3rd, we're going to have the closest approach to the Pleiades, March and Pleiades. March the 4th, this is something that I'm really going to attempt and I'm very excited about. And there's a um, minor planet called Vesta. It's within the asteroid belt and it's actually one of the largest objects in the asteroid belt. It's 326 miles in diameter, but it reaches opposition, which is basically the brightest it'll get for us March the 4th. And it will still be fairly bright over the few days after as well, but that will reach magnitude 5.9. So it's technically naked eye visible, but of course, really good with binoculars or a telescope. So that's Vesta, the minor planet. March the 6th, Mercury reaches the greatest elongation from the Sun. Because Mercury orbits the Sun relatively close, we struggle to see it and from through a line of sight here from Earth. But on March the 6th, it's going to reach about 27 degrees away from the Sun, which means 40 minutes before sunrise on the 6th of March. Look over to the east and you might just spot the planet Mercury. That's going to be one of the best days. And you'll still have again a few more days after that as well. March the 9th. Again, these are early morning events, things that personally I kind of struggle to get up for. But we've got the uh, conjunction of the moon and the planet Saturn. So over to the east in the early hours, March the 9th, you'll see just before sunrise, a conjunction of the moon and Saturn, obviously the gas giant. March the 10th, the moon moves further across and this time round, it's the con conjunction of the moon and Jupiter again over to the east before sunrise. This will be really awesome to look at. And to be fair, you do need a good eastern horizon. They are low down. So hopefully um, if you do have that opportunity and you of course clear skies, then you should be able to see it, no problem. March the 13th is new moon, so the best time to do some deep space observing. Don't have any light pollution from the moon, and it means that you can really go out and explore some super dark objects, some of the things that I'm going to be talking about for my challenges. March the 14th, we have a very thin crescent moon. Now, this is about an hour after sunset on the 14th of March, Look over to the west and see if you can spot a very thin moon. Very, very beautiful to look at. Low on the horizon, setting over to the west. So that's March the 14th. And then over to March the 19th, I've looked at the charts. It looks really, really cool. And this is one of my highlights for the month. And it's a conjunction. So the moon, Mars and Aldebaran, the eye of Taurus the bull, these three objects will line up together 
the moon will still be a nice little crescent. So the three objects in a straight line. I'm really excited for this. This is my highlight for March. And then finally, March the 28th, we have the full moon. It's called the full worm moon. Something to look out for towards the end of March. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of TGP Nominal and its infinite mission to explore space, science, and technology news. To explore the world of sci-fi, comic cons, and gaming. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Okay, so we have Naked Eye Challenges for the month, guys. Last month, we talked about the Winter Hexagon, and this month, it's also going to be revolving around the brightest stars over in the southern skies. So what I really would like you all to do, if you have the opportunity, is to have a look at Sirius again, the brightest star in the night sky, Sirius and Canis Major, and then Aldebaran over in the eye of Taurus the Bull. Further north, you should see Capella, one of the brightest stars in the night sky, and Betelgeuse within Orion. These four stars are my target for you this month, and just notice to see the different colours and how they also twinkle differently. Sirius is quite low in the sky, and we have a lot of scintillation. This is due to its light coming through the thickest part of our atmosphere lower down, so we have loads of twinkling, but Aldebaran still of course, a very red star, Capella, bright white, and Betelgeuse, a red star as well. So just have a, a look at these four brighter stars and notice what constellations they're in. My binoculars challenge is a really cool one, and it's called NGC 2169. And what this is, is an open cluster of stars. So out there in the night sky, we've already talked about Pleiades, an open cluster of stars, but NGC 2169 is, I would say, one that isn't as well known, but what you will have to use is either a pair of binoculars or maybe telescope. And when you find this object, which is within the elbow of Orion, what you should see is the number 37. And this is because open clusters, of course, are random patterns, but this open cluster, you should be able to see that it looks like number 37. So that's really cool to spot, and a great time to look for it as well. So that's my binoculars challenge. Telescope object is the M66 group, the Leo triplets. Leo over March will be the dominant constellation in the night sky, so it's a great time to look at the three galaxies through your telescope. With a decent beginner's intermediate telescope, you'll be able to spot the Leo triplet, and these are three spiral galaxies located in the constellation Leo, of course, and they're about 35 million light years away. It's one of my favorite objects to look at in the spring sky. So that's the M66 group or the Leo triplets for my telescope challenge. So those are my objects of the month for March. That is amazing. I do love clusters and asterisms that look like specifically like numbers and things. I, I don't know if there's a 42. That would be interesting if there's a 42. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, have you heard of the Kotanger one? I really like the Kotanger. Is it upside down, though? It depends on what telescope you use, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, I think it can appear upside down or, yeah, it's, uh, it's a funny one. You know what I really like about it? When you have a stargazing event and you say, let me show you something, let me show you a coat hanger, and people just look at you like you're weird, you know? Or let me show you an alien. And let me show you the number 37 or the Christmas tree, you know, it's just it's, it's, it's just one of those moments when you just look at them and you're just thinking they're thinking to themselves. This person's crazy. Somebody took a photograph of the Rosette Nebula, I mm-hmm. think it was. Mm-hmm. And they said they couldn't see the skull oh. in it. And I thought, how can you not see yeah. the skull? It is so prominent. It's amazing formation. Yeah. I really want to get more and more into it, the deep space stuff, deep space astrophotography. I think Mm -hmm. I I will this year, really make an effort this year. There's another thing that somebody was saying, I can't remember where I saw it now, but it was the first picture that Perseverance put up of the landscape and how clear it was. And somebody was complaining that you can't even get CCTV footage on Earth that's as clear as that. And then somebody said, well, if you've got that much money to spend on it, on your CCTV then yes yes you will get that kind of quality but I'll go into this a bit more on the next main show but apparently all the cameras and everything that is on board that are straight off the shelf they're not bespoke made for NASA you can actually physically go out and buy this stuff wow interesting well I mean I guess it just shows you how far photography and cameras have come I mean you look at the comparisons over the years you, you know when they sent the uh, Voyager probes for example and it took like 10 years to get to Jupiter or Neptune mm-hmm. and then that technology is 10 years old and you think oh it's just a shame we don't have the technology today yeah. but the, the Martian rover is only 7 months it took to get to Mars so it's, it is literally the latest stuff and that's why we're getting some awesome images and when you think about it that Curiosity landed in 2012 now you look at mobile phone technology between Mm. 2012 and 2021 yeah yeah there's a lot of difference in the camera technology from those days that's right well i think one of the things that really baffled me was uh this just shows you how all this fact is right so the average pocket calculator was more powerful than the computer that sent men on to land on the moon moon. i think that's what they say all the information that was programmed into that system was all done on punch cards. Wow. And the lady that actually came up with the programming for it, there's a fantastic uh, photograph of her. Her name's Margaret Hamilton. And there's a picture of her standing next to the pile of cards that had to be inputted into the computer system. And this stack is bigger than she is. It's amazing. It's amazing when you think about it, the advancement of of technology. And, you know, this is why we can send rovers on to Mars, you know, another world, and beam back those amazing images. Have you got anything coming up in March that you're involved with? So my photography page, Will Photography, Will of 1L, what I've actually been doing over the last six months, very much beginner's sky guides, beginner's astrophotography, but I feel that I'm ready to to go to the next level of everybody and do intermediate stargazing and slightly more advanced astrophotography as well. So that's what I've got planned for my photography page, just more and more of those kind of talks. Awesome. 
Spamhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spamhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So, Will, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show again. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, great fun. It's always good fun to have someone to bounce off of. Uh, that's the one thing I, I do love about this show is the fact that it's a melting pot of all different people that come on board and help out. And uh, we just have fun making the podcast. And that's that's what it's all about. To be honest with you, doing the Sky Guides are great for me because it kind of brings attention for me to think, hmm, what are the interesting things out there in the night sky? Hey, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do miss out on some things and I, I hear about it two days later, you know, and I'm thinking, hang on a second. Why did I know about that? So doing these sky guides have been great. It's been helping me plan my month as well. That's awesome. As I mentioned earlier in the show, the next sky guide will be live. Not done one live before, so it could be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to listening to it for sure. So once again, that leaves me with one thing left to say, and that is always stay safe, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again real soon. Just want to wish you all, guys, clear skies, and remember there are a billion worlds in your back garden. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.